0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapelubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. There once was a poor, poor country pastor who was livid. You go, why was he livid? Well, he confronted his wife with the receipt for a $750 dress that she had bought. He was upset. $750. How could you do this? He exclaimed. I don't know. I was standing in the store looking at the dress. And then I found myself trying it on. It was like the devil was whispering to me, gee, you look great in that dress. You should buy it. Well, the pastor persisted. You know how to deal with him. Just tell him, get behind me, Satan. I did, replied the wife. But then he said, it looks great from the back too. (laughs) That's temptation, isn't it? You see, it's been said that trials are simply the testings on the outside, and sometimes they are temptations on the inside. Now, remember, guys, put on your thinking caps, because I want to remind you what James has already taught us. James, under the power of the Holy Spirit, teaches us that a mature person is patient in those trials. We have to be patient. And we learn that as we continue to grow as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we need to let patience have its perfect work. You see, that's the goal. The goal isn't so that you're just saved. Oh, I'm saved, saved, you saved, everybody's saved. He he wants us to grow and to mature. And he says, let patience have its perfect work. And we go, why? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, listen. Every one of us goes through trials. We all face persecutions. We all face afflictions. Maybe the tests are sent from God to grow us up. To grow us up. Or maybe temptations are sent by Satan and encouraged by our own fallen nature. Just like the woman that says, I told him to get behind me, said, Boy, that looks great from back here, too. In the same way, I have to ask, how do we handle temptation? Well, the very first thing we need to do is know, we we need to look at what, what is temptation? What is it? What is, how do we deal with this? How different is temptation? Oh, how different are they from the trials that you and I face every day? You see, you see, outward, externally, we face trials, but internally is where we have the temptations. And it's the heart where nobody sees that we find ourselves in temptation. And as we continue verse by verse, we discover that James in his letter to us connects both the trials and the tribulation. Well, Ben, what's the connection then? Well, hold on. What's the relationship between testing testing without and the temptations within? Well, simply this. The testing, if we're not careful, the testings on the outside become temptations on the inside. If we're not careful, the testings on the outside, the trials, can oftentimes become temptations on the inside. You go, Ben, how so? How so? Well, listen carefully. When our circumstances are difficult, when life seems to be really tough, And we find ourselves doing something that I know none of you ever do. You go, what's that? Complaining against God. I know you don't do that. But when we find ourselves complaining against God, questioning his love. Now, come on, church. We've all done that time. God, do you really love me? Dinky. And here's what he does, guys. He then, he begins to tempt us. And he will often use the difficulty as an opportunity to tempt us. That's what he does. He comes in. Hey, let me, let me provide an escape. Hey, I know you. And, and, and the sad part is the enemy has not changed his tactics over the years. We're going to see that today. But I want you to understand the enemy has not changed his tactics. But we, we still need to know what exactly temptation is. Ben? Ben? What exactly is temptation? Well, I'm glad you ask. Why? Before we unpack this, let me bring everyone up to speed. What we've learned so far. Here's what we've learned. You and I will all experience trials. Can I get an amen? We will. Okay. And they come in all different forms and and, and such. But we'll 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 experience persecutions. For each one of us, it's different. We don't know what type of persecutions they are, but I know that they come. And then some might have experienced afflictions and. And life experiences. Temptations are altogether different. Why? Because here's the definition of a temptation. Jot this down. It's a solicitation to do evil. A solicitation to do evil, I'll explain that in just a little little bit. But I want to take you back to where we left off last week in verse 12. Let's take a look. James 1.12 said, blessed is the man who endures temptation. There we go. There it is. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Guys, let's unpack it once again. Blessed, you can jot down, happy and approved by God. Blessed is the man, but he's doing something here. What's he doing? He's enduring. Everybody say enduring. You want to know what it means? It means to stay under, okay? To remain figuratively, to undergo, to bear trials, to preserve, to abide, to endure, to be patient, to suffer, to tarry. This is what it means. Happy is the man who just stays under those. What do we stay under what? The solicitation to do evil. In other words, when we're tempted to do things that we know go directly against God's word. That's what we need to do. Happy is the man who endures those. Okay, okay. Now, before we jump in, to what James says, I want to illustrate um, this temptation, right? What is temptation? It's the solicitation to do, to do evil. Hey, psh, psh, hey, listen. remember when we, hey, and, 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 and again, this is what we've got to do. So, so again, I need to illustrate this so you get a good idea. How do we illustrate that? Well, the word of God interprets the word of God, and I want to show you through God's word how uh, in temptation, one passed the test and how one failed, How one passed the test and how one failed. And then we'll look at three, count them, three principles on how to handle the temptation. What am I supposed to do? So hold your finger here. Jump all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Because first I want to show you how a huge temptation was failed and how sin entered the world. Genesis chapter 3. While you're turning there. Let me give you some background. You guys know Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, the creation of the world. Everything is going great. There, Adam and Eve are walking with God. Adam's chasing butterflies. Eve's making dinner. No, I'm just kidding. And you guys understand that all of a sudden, notice, as we get to chapter 3, everything is great. Like, like, really, the first three chapters of the Bible, the first two are, like, amazing. It's like, yeah! And then we have the rest. But in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and through 17, it says, Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, here's, here's his command, guys. Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Is there a misinterpretation of what God said? There's not, right? He goes, hey... Listen. Here's the deal, Adam. All of this is yours. He says, "Enjoy." You got a lovely wife, right? I mean, he's got the wife, right? Because he looked at her and he goes, yowzer! when he saw Eve. This is flesh of my flesh, a bone of my bone. How shall call it? He's he's super stoked. This is this is right. This is wife. And then he has all of the garden. He goes, okay. Here's one probe. Adam. Adam, give me here, here. sit down. You ready? Yeah. Hey Lord, thank you, thank you so much. I'm just so excited. Calm down. Here's Here's this tree. It's the tree of good and evil. He says, don't eat of that. Don't eat of that. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says, for in that day you eat it, he says, you're going to die. You're going to die. Now, put your thinking caps on, church. Put your thinking caps. At this point, Adam and Eve probably knew new death. They don't know death. Nothing has ever died. Everything is beautiful. It's in the Garden of Eden. They don't know death. What does die mean? does die? What if I do? Die? die? So here's the testing from God. Hey, don't do that. And 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 he calls them to be obedient. Why? Because God wants his creation to truly grow up. And then we jump into the temptation. Look at Genesis chapter three, verse one. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, now that should be the first red flag, don't you think? Of course, it's brand new. It's brand new. World's new. I mean, I don't think they went, wow, that's a talking snake. Because they didn't, it was all new. So so let's 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 give her some slack a little bit, right? Before we all like, well, see, if Eve would have never came, we'd have been all right, you know. Psh, I blame it on Eve. No, no. Why? Because Adam's chasing butterflies. He should have been. Anyway, check it out. And so so again. Guess what? This snake said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Second red flag, she begins to talk to the snake. It's one thing to have a talking snake, but it's a whole other thing to dialogue with a snake. Can I get an amen? You guys know that. You single gals, don't talk to snakes. Don't talk. You know a snake, and guys can be snakes. Hey, how you doing, baby? <laughs> right? That's how they are, and you and, and you're like, well, this snake is talking to me, but he's so cute. I'll talk. No, don't talk to him. Don't talk to those snakes. Don't, mm-mm. man. Don't be a snake. Don't be a snake. And the woman said to the serpent, "Okay, we shall eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden." But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Did that, is that what God said? God said, you don't, don't eat it, but he didn't say anything about touching. I wonder why Eve added to God's word just a little bit. I wonder. Because she's not trying to be theological. She's not trying to win Satan or the serpent over to... She's just, I don't understand. And the serpent said to the woman... You're not going to die. God knows in that day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, okay? Goal number one, jot this down. The enemy always questions God's word. Did God say? Did God say? Always questions God's word. You need to grasp that. Well, did God really? And if God said it, what should we say? Yes, yes. God said it. Number two, he changes God's word. No, God didn't say that. No, no. And then, of course, in verse five, guys, we see that he always denies God's word. Why? For God knows in that day if you eat it, your eyes will be open, And he denies God's word. That's not what God said. So goal number one, the enemy in your life will always question God's word in your life. He will change God's word in your life and he will deny God's word in your life. But now jump to verse six with me. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. This is where sin fractured everything. Right here. The temptation was, listen, the temptation here, questioning God's word. Number two, the temptation was changing God's word. Did God really say that, Francis? Did God really say that? Oh, yeah, well. And then, and then the third one was, hey, hey, Jeremiah, I think I didn't really say that. You can't believe that. Come on. And here's what happens. Notice the result. So she looks, she said, man, that looks good. It's really pretty. So she took the, now, now here's the sad part. She took its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, that's not a hard thing to do. That's not a hard thing to do, right? If Julie was cooking in the kitchen... And she was making up, oh, you cook. I'm sorry, I gotta use her as an example. Okay, because in a make believe world, if Julie was cooking in the kitchen <laughs> and Francis came in and it was something that he had never tried, and she goes, oh, baby, try this, he's not gonna go, whoa, slow down, old friend. What is this? He's gonna go, okay. That's how, us, that's how we are. That's how men are. We're just like, try it. And, and I mean, it could have been, and then, and how was it? And he's like, well, that's why I'm the cook now. So anyways, so, no, kidding. I'm kidding. Just a jo- I'm just a joke. Just a joke. But, but men, it's an easy thing for us to do that. Nathalie will say, hey, here's a little, try this. It's a juju fruit. I'm like, or well, whatever it was. And I was like, okay. And I was like, no wonder Adam just. The point is, it's the three things that you and I struggle with. How so? Number one, she saw that the tree was good. That's the lust of the flesh. Oh, come on, church. Come on, somebody. I battle this flesh every day. There's this battle. Boom. And then he saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. It looks good. Come on, how many of us have ever said, well, if it looks good, it must be good. God wouldn't create good things if I can't have it. And then he says, and then it was desirable to make one wise. And what is that? That's the pride of life. The three areas that you and I struggle with, guys, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here it is. You ready? Adam and Eve, in their temptation, they failed. They failed. It was a solicitation to do evil to go against God's word. You and I, we often use the what if. What if? What if? And we can't do the what if, right? Because everybody goes, well, what if, what, if, what if Adam came and said, oh, Lord, she ate. She ate it. I didn't eat it, Lord. Um, I guess you have to create another Eve. Take her out. We can't say that, can we? <laughs> because we don't know. But I'll tell you what, men, here's an admonition to you. If you are, let's see, if you are married, if you plan on being married, if you're a man, make sure you know your role as a believer. Protect your wife. Love your wife. Be there. Adam, I I wish we'd have read this different, although I get it. I wish you'd have read something like this, you know. Hey, the serpent was more cunning, and Adam says, baby i love you let's no let's let's stay away from this cuz because you're going to see in a minute why you're going to see in a minute why now at the point in our study we have to ask ourselves is there anyone who was tempted and made the right choice well say goodbye here but move just to chapter 39 of genesis move just a little bit further and we meet a fellow by the name of Joseph. You guys know Joseph, right? Jacob had 12 sons, which we know as the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph was, was, was sold into slavery by his brothers and taken to Egypt. Now, let me say this. If you are reading the daily, um, the one-year Bible, you would have covered this this morning, which is amazing. But I was thinking about Joseph. And when his brothers, because the word of God said that he was begging them and pleading them for his life. And these are the guys he trusted, but because he had a couple of weird dreams and and he was probably um, Jacob's favorite. Come on, somebody. We don't have favorites, do we? We don't have. That will ruin a family more than anything. I understand you love them differently, but you don't favor one over the other. Now, how does Joseph handle temptation? Look at verse 39, verse one. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Remember, Ishmaelites and Midianites are the same thing. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. Listen, if you want to be successful, make sure the Lord is with you. And everything you do, Lord... Go before me, order my steps, this is what I want. Joseph was that man. He was successful and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, my question to you is if you were taken to a foreign land as a slave, like sold into slavery like Joseph, would we continue to do well or would we crumble and wonder what God is doing? Joseph continues to do well. I want you to see that, guys. And, verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he put under his authority. And so it was from the time that he had made him an overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph, check this out, was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Okay, you guys get the picture. God is blessing Joseph. Joseph... Man Potiphar's like, "Man, I am so blessed to have you. I know the Lord is with you. Everything you touch is so successful. God is with you, man." Listen. And all of a sudden, the Bible says and and it rarely says that he was he was handsome in form and appearance. So so he was a, he was a stud. He was a stud. He was a good-looking young man. And so Mrs. Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar says, "Huh. Wow. Hubba, hubba. Mr. Potiphar's always out of town. Maybe he was a eunuch. I don't know. We, we won't get into that. But Mr. Potiphar's always out of town, and he's always on business. And jo- Joseph's here. Guys, you understand. You understand. Listen, this is how temptation works. This is how temptation works. Do you want me to tell you how temptation works at your job, your schools, your life? Starts with words. Hey, you're... Pretty good-looking fella. Well, the girl wouldn't say that, but you know what I'm saying? And, and and it starts like, hey, and I'll tell you how it works in a married. You ready? In a married couple's life? Ready? If I was your husband, if I was your husband, I wouldn't treat you like that. If I was your husband, if, and, and, and again, huh? And we got to be so careful. You've got to be so careful because the enemy wants to shoot these arrows and take us down, and these are temptations. And so what happens? She just tells Joseph straight up, have sex with me. Come lie with me. You know, for, for well, I better not say that, my wife would look at me and go. But he, notice verse 8, but he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is With me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. Ready? There is no greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then shall I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was when she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to even be with her. Notice what Joseph has wisdom. He's not, he's not, he's not even being around her. He knows he's got to be careful. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work that none of the men of this house was inside. How convenient, right? She told everybody, get out. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, fled, and ran outside. Guys, our key verse is verse 9, and I think it's something we need to internalize. Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, put yourself in Joseph's sandals for one second, one second. I was living my life, doing my thing. All of a sudden, I'm thrown in a cistern. I'm sitting there freaking out, wondering why my my flesh and blood would throw me here and I'm gonna die in here, and wild animals are gonna eat me. Next thing you know, I'm being pulled out and I'm being sold to and I'm headed over to Egypt. My life is a complete mess. Are you kidding me? Nobody's gonna care. I go in Potiphar's house and then and and instead of going, Well, I'm gonna take what's mine, I I'm gonna get what I deserve, and if she wants me to sleep with her, I will. I don't care. That's not the heart of Joseph. The heart of Joseph says, I still serve God. First. And and he says, How can I do this wickedness? Temptation is all around us, isn't it? And I'm not even saying sexual. I'm saying there are times when, man, we we, we read in the newspaper that such and such embezzled millions of dollars because somebody trusted them to do their books. How easy was it? Hey, they've got a lot of money. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know. You deserve it. You've worked really hard. They don't appreciate you. Why don't you why don't you write you a check? Your boss trusts you. And what do you do? Boom. 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 And then it gets easier and easier. And then you think more creative ways how to get away with it until the Bible says don't be don't be fooled, your sin will find you out. It's gonna come. It may not come out today, may not come out tomorrow. It's going to come. I would rather you and I, as fully devoted followers of God, say, How can I do this wickedness? How can I, and sin against God? Remember, all sin is against God first. So we saw Adam and Eve, and they failed to to give in to temptation. They failed the temptation. They gave in. And we saw Joseph pass the test not to give in to. Uh, solicitation to do evil. Now, you guys know the story of Joseph, right? What happened to Joe? He ended up going in prison because because he she screamed da 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 and and so you would think, whoa, 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 he did the right thing. Well, sometimes you'll do the right thing and still end up in a bad place. Come on, someone. That's got to hit home. Why? Because we are called to do the right thing. And sometimes in this awful, evil world, we'll end up in prison like Joseph. But God's still going to use Joseph for greater things. We just got to stay focused on him. So saying goodbye to Genesis, guys, let's get back to James. How do we handle temptation? How do we handle? See, God does not want us to yield to temptation, whether it's, it's stealing from your employer And let me say this too. The Lord's bringing this to mind. You may not embezzle money. You may not even be filled with money. But your job requires you to work eight hours. How many hours should you work? And if your break is 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, how long should we do break? Right. But there's always a temptation to go, well, you know, Abel takes 25. Abel takes thirty, and he's the. Bo- I'm just going to do what Abel. We have a temptation to do that, don't we? And if you have a real, a real lexibasical boss or whatever doesn't care, I mean, you end up doing that. And before you know it, we find ourselves. The- Here's the point, guys. The point is, it doesn't have to be big, but let's just focus on. Okay, how do I handle this? How do I handle this? See, God doesn't want us to yield to that temptation. Neither, neither. Uh, yet neither can he spare us the ex- the experience of temptation. Why? Because we're not God's sheltered people. We're God's scattered people. And if we want to grow and mature, and if we truly want to be a strong Christian, then we must face the testings and the temptations. And the word of God gives us three facts to consider to overcome temptation. And you should really take notes somewhere. Number one, get this. You need to consider God's judgment. That's the first thing. When it comes to temptation, you need to consider God's judgment. The second thing you need to write down if you're taking notes is you need to consider God's goodness. God's goodness. And the third, you need to consider God's divine nature within. Three things. How do I handle temptation? We're going to look at how to, we want to consider God's judgment first and foremost. We want to consider God's goodness. And then we want to consider God's divine nature. Now, one last comment, guys, before we jump into our study. Temptation is not a sin until we start dwelling on it, and then we act on it. A solicitation to do evil, to go against God's word, that's not of God. That's not of God. So what's the first thing we should do? Ready? Let's consider God's judgment. God's judgment. And I think that's important. Uh, about 2009, um, there was a TV show, only lasted one season. It was a TV show that was, it was entitled Flash Forward, Flash Forward. And the premise of the TV show was really simple. The premise of the TV show is that each contestant would be um, sort of blacked out for a couple of minutes and then catapulted into the future six months to see what the result of the action they were going to do. It's kind of a flash forward. So if you were about to do something, you would... And then six months into the future to see the result of that, right? It only lasted one season. It didn't take off. But I wonder, I wonder for half a second... If Adam and Eve would have flashed forward six months to see, there we are. You know, first we were free. We're walking around naked, right? They're walking around and they're having a great time. They're walking in the presence of God Almighty. This is just amazing. They're eating of everything. They don't have to eat that fruit. They've got got everything you want. If they would have fast forward six months and saw, there they are clothed with camel skins, not free anymore. I wonder if they would have said, oh, 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 and that's where we're gonna pick up our study. Consider God's judgment. Look at verse 13 of James chapter one. James writes, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. Why? For God does not tempt by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Listen, temptation does not come from God. Though he allows it, come on somebody, he himself does not entice us to do evil. Though God may test our faith without a solicitation to do evil. Why? The Bible says right here, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So God's not going over here and going, hey, hey, sucker. You know, and, and when we fall, that's not what God does. We need to understand that. James knew that most people have an evil tendency to blame God when they find themselves in trials. But by his very nature, God is unable to either be tempted in the sense that we're tempted, as James will explain, nor can he himself tempt anyone. When you find yourself in a trial, listen, when it comes to temptation, we have that tendency. Well, I guess, you know, God, this is how God made me. This is how God made me. Listen, if he didn't want me to flirt with all those girls, he shouldn't have made me so good looking. If he didn't want me to flirt and do all that, right? If he didn't, he shouldn't have gave me that personality. No, this is, James is saying, no, 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 you can't even, this is not God. This is not God. Now, let me put into your memory what's going on because we should remember that the pagan gods of the ancient times here well, they were acquainted with evil and they and, and sinned themselves, often sinned themselves. So, so, again, James is, is saying, no, 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 no. But the one true God, the God of the Bible, can't be tempted by evil. But something else happens. Look at verse 14. He says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Okay? Now we got to do some work. Why? Because James says each one. Each one. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say he's talking to you. He's talking to you. What's he talking about? He says tempted, right? What is tempted? A solution to do evil. Now, we got to ask how. How is he being, how? Okay, this is good. This is good, guys, because he says, but each one is being tempted when he's drawn away. Everybody say drawn away. Because here's what it means. It's the bait on the hook. It's the bait on the hook. That's how. Okay? Every fall, I like to go fishing with my buddy up in New Mexico. And I get my little jacket, I get my little waders, and I feel like an alien because I'm walking like this. But I got my phone. And, And here's what I do. I take that little worm, and he's squirming around, and I put that little worm on the hook, and he's like, ah, stop it. I don't hear him. But he does that. And I put that bait on and I throw it into that river and whoa, oh, what does it do? Oh, oh! what does it do? Well, again, when he is drawn away by his own desires, what does that mean? Wanting something you can't have. You know where we send the most church, jot this down, forbidden fruit. Forbidden fruit. Those are our desires. Those are our desires. But he says something. This is so good. But each one of us, guys, each one is tempted. Both men and women are tempted when we have that bait on the hook, and we can't. But here's the word enticed. You want to know what the word enticed means? Hooked. Hooked. You see, when I go fishing, I entice those men. I, I, those, that, those fish's desires are mine and I throw it in there, and I let it go, and I watch the little worm go, and next thing you know, got him, got him. And it's the same metaphor for us, guys. It's the same thing. Notice, the world and the devil will provide that enticement. The desire's are already in us. Why? Every one of us, man, we sin when we, why, why can't I have that? I want that. I want that. One of the biggest, biggest, biggest um, struggles when people have an affair is because they want something they can't have. It's forbidden. Well, I'm married and I got my wife here, but, uh, oh, no, Ben, you can't have that. Well, why? Why? I, I And then what happens is that you have the world here going, hey, good looking. Why don't you come over? And and it, it's trying to entice us. And I get that temptation. I get that. Can I say this to you married people? Can I, can I have your permission? If you're married, you ready? Please tell your wife how good looking she is and how awesome she is. Please tell her she's beautiful and you love her And you can't live without her. Tell her all these things. You go, why, Ben? Because if you don't do it, somebody else will. Somebody else will. Man, they got some snakes out there. But, wives, do the same thing. Tell your husband, hubba hubba. You are just as good looking as, I mean, tell it, guys, ladies, we need that. We need to know that we matter and that that you find us attractive because if you don't, somebody else will. And then we find ourselves... And we got to be strong. We say, no, 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 no. But but I got to have that. I got to have that. But each one of us is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So what happens next? Well, look at verse 15. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. When desire, we know what desire is, it's conceived. Here's the Greek word. I find it interesting. It means to arrest or to capture. When that desire, what's desire, church? What is desire? Desire is is lust, wanting something I can't have. What happens to it? It It gets seized and it gives birth to sin and it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. You've heard the story. Maybe I can give it to you very quickly. There was a young lady who bought a snake and took it home, and she she bought a snake as a pet, and she had it in her little thing, but it kept growing, and it kept eating, and she finally let it out of the out of the cage, and, and she'd sleep with it at night, and it kept growing, and it kept growing, and it was about four, four feet, and she she and 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 it got to be about five feet long, and she would just cuddle with it. And this is a giant snake. And when it stopped eating, it just wouldn't eat any other food. And so about a week or two goes by, and she goes, "Man, my state I think I think my snake is is sick." So she took the snake to the to the vet, and the vet goes, "What's the matter?" And she goes, "Well, my my python here won't it won't eat, it won't eat. It stopped eating about two weeks ago." And he goes. Well, give me the care. What's he doing? Well, he sleeps with me, and he likes to cuddle up, and he likes to just, and he goes, you need to get rid of the snake now. He goes, why? He goes, why? He goes, he stopped eating. He's sizing you up. He's getting hungry enough to kill you and eat you. And it's the same thing, guys. It's the same thing. Again, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. The little baby sin. Hi, I got my little sin here. See it? It's cute. Want to pet my sin? But it grows up. And when it grows up, what happens? You go, go, what do you mean? Well, here's here's what it means. He says, you're going to die. And he speaks spiritually at first, but then eventually physically. But I've got to be honest with you, church. What does death look like in the life of a believer? Do you want me to show you with death? As a pastor, I've seen so much death. Let me give you death looks like. Just a few examples. It's the fella sitting in my office pouring out his heart because his marriage has ended. That's death. Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's death. It's the meeting in my life where I had the couple come over and she wanted to meet here at the church, sit on the couch because she had something to say. And in front of her pastor and in front of her husband, you want to know what death looks like? It's when she admitted that she's been having an affair. And I could see the face of death on the man when he realized You know what death looks like, guys, when the person has been so lost and can't find his way back to Jesus? Its death.. The Bible says the enemy wants to rob, kill and destroy. He wants to rob you, he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to he wants to see you guys get a divorce. He wants you know what he wants you, young people, you know what he wants to do. He wants you to marry the wrong person and live miserably and end up in divorce and ruin your life for anybody that God really had for you. We have to be careful. This is what death looks like. Got to be careful. And look what James says. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. I I like the way the New Living Translation says this. He says, don't be misled, my dear brothers. Don't be misled. So what's the first thing we do? We fast forward, guys. We flash forward. You're about to be tempted. You're about to be tempted. You know this is solicitation to do evil. You know this is not right, whether you're married or not married. And you, you know it's wrong. Flash forward six months. Oh, dude. I was tempted and, and I had sex with this girl. And I flash forward and next thing you know, I'm going to be a daddy. He says, don't be deceived, guys. Flash forward. Think, think of that. But also this. He says, man, that's negative. Let me give you positive. Number two, consider God's goodness. Look at verse 17. He says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Remember in Genesis, one of the enemy's tricks is to convince us that God's holding out on us and that he really doesn't care for us. Can I get an amen on that? That's the number one thing the enemy wants to do. God doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you like you think. He's holding out on you. Here's life. Go for it. You're missing out. This is exactly what he does. And he would say to you, like he said to Adam and Eve, if God really loved you, he would let you eat of all the trees, even the forbidden one. And that's the same way. But when you and I stop and consider the goodness of God, and we understand that every good gift comes from him. Listen, if it's not good, then it's not from God. Notice the way he gives is good. He gives constantly. He comes down in the present tense and he keeps coming down, simply not on occasion, but constantly, constantly. This is it. He says, man, every good gift is from God. Think about that. Think about that. The one you're married to now, the one you're whatever, it's, a, it's good as long as you're not being solicited to do evil. It's good. It's good the fact that you and I can function and breathe, those are good gifts. Everything good from God. But I got to tell you, I struggled with that this weekend. Struggled a little bit. Because we live in such a negative world that it seems to bombard us so much that that's just what comes out. And, 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 and we've got to get a hold of that and say, no, 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 God is good. God is good. And the fact that I'm alive and the fact that that I'm upright... Today, praise God. Praise God. I love the fact that God does not change. He says, with whom there is no variation or shadow. God is God. And in him is no, guys, in, in him is there's no darkness at all. So God doesn't think like you and I. He doesn't look down and go, oh, oh, hey, watch this. Watch this, angels. I'm going to make her squirm. <laughs> watch this. There's no, there's not. I love that. Guys, I think of David. You guys remember David? I wonder if he would have remembered the goodness of the Lord, if he would have had that like, hey, I need to remember the goodness of God, maybe he wouldn't have taken Bathsheba and committed those sins. You guys remember what what Nathan, the prophet, told him? 2 Samuel 12, 7 and 8 says, Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. And thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have also given you much more. See what David did? David did not focus on God's goodness. He looked at Bathsheba and he wanted something he couldn't have. Why? Because Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah. So always consider moving forward, guys, the goodness of God. And then, number three, consider God's divine nature within us. Verse 18, of of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures now let me give it to you in the new living it says and he and it was happy day for him when he gave us our new lives through the w- truth of the word and we became as it were the first children of his new family of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that he might that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures in other words guys when we see God's goodness in, in our salvation, as he initiated our salvation of his own will, he brought us forth to spiritual life by His the word of truth, that we might be his glory to the first fruits of his harvest. We need to, first and foremost, he's saying, consider God's divine nature within us. You're, you're being tempted. Hey, hey. Hey you, you you want to steal you want to rob you want you, what do you want no 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 why because because I I belong to the Lord he's in me he's in me If the first barrier is let's look ahead and beware judgment I don't want that Lord and the second barrier is let's look around and see how good he's been to you and now he says look within and realize that you've been born from above and possess his divine nature. I want you to put your thinking caps on for just a minute. Whenever we partake in communion, we always saying, let's, let's, you know, let's look within first. Let's, let's remember how good God is. And then he says, and then look around and remember the things that God has done and then look ahead. Well, in temptation, he says, let's look ahead and beware. Oh, Lord, I don't want to do this. Oh, God, you've been so good to me, and now I've been born again. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Let's land this plane, guys. As we close, may I remind you of one more who was tempted and passed with flying colors. You go, who is that? The Lord Jesus. Do you remember when he was tempted by Satan? Do you remember what he did? He always dealt temptation on the basis of the word of God. And three times he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. From a human point of viewing, turning stones into bread to satisfy hunger, it's a sensible thing to do. But not from God's point of view. When you know the Bible... And you can detect the bait, then you can deal with it decisively. Decisively. One question that I want to leave you with, and then I'll we'll close. Because when a pastor says we're closing, it's usually two or three closes before he closes. We talked about this yesterday in the men's fellowship. Several months back, my wife went in to cash her check at the bank. And I don't know the exact amount of what her check was because she keeps her money. I never see it, so there's that. And the teller gave her like $600 more than what her check was. Yeah, some of you are like, Blessing, cha-ching. So she gets out, she gets out and she starts counting. She goes, no, I, that was the temptation there to do evil, right? And a lot of us would go, hey, losers, weepers, losers, you know, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Anybody remember that when you were a kid? And my wife goes, no, because I serve a greater God. I'm going to go back in and say, hey, listen, here's, you gave me too much. And the teller's like, "Oh, I did, yeah, yeah, we're always tempted what about what about if it's just a buck? You see it's not six hundred dollars, and the guy you know, and the change is like, Here's a buck, or you get home <laughs> and the item the item in your bag you they didn't charge you for, like it's really easy." When you put stuff underneath and you go through and, and they forget to scan it, right? It's easy, but whether it be a bottle of you know the water or whatever and you get home, do, do you go back? Uh-uh, that's a long way. It's just bottled water. Ah, oh, the store's always the store's always used to that. they They lose water all the time. They think you're crazy. You came back for a 24-pack of water, bro. It's like $2.89. Yeah, but you didn't charge me, and I don't want to steal. I don't want to do this. I don't know how true it is. I personally don't like the self-checkouts. Okay, I don't because I don't work there, but I want people to have a job, but that's just me. But I read... And I don't know what it was, but there was one where they said, the self-checkout is temporarily closed due to theft. The temptation in self-checkout to not scan and put in the bag and walk out is so great. And James says, don't do that. You answer to to a higher calling. You answer to the Lord. Amen? Amen. A Sunday school child explained the matter in simple terms. You ready? It says this, two men live in my heart, the old Adam and Jesus. When temptation knocks on the door and somebody has to answer, if I let Adam answer, I will sin. So I send Jesus to the door and answer it, and he always wins. So James 12 says, if we endure temptation, heed the barriers, and we'll get a crown. Verse 15 says, if we give in and break through the barriers, we'll often find a coffin. And so I wrote on my notes, which will it be for you today, a crown or a coffin? Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for James. Wow, Lord, it got really quiet in here. So I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you want to grow us up. And sometimes growing up hurts. It hurts a little bit, Lord, but I thank you. Father, just because I'm behind this pulpit makes me no better than my church. I still struggle with those same temptations, and I want to apply the principles that I just taught today. Forgive us, Lord, when we are tempted to keep the $20 or the $40 or... Or they made a mistake on our, on our tax return and we got, we got more money than we should deserve. Lord, help us to honor you in all that we do. And Lord, it may not even be about money, but it may be about that girl at the, at the job or it might be about the man at the job who's, who's very good looking and, and very flirty. Or it might be, it just might be about anything, Lord. Father, we might be even tempted to gossip about things that we have no business gossiping about. And so, Lord, we want to learn the lesson. We want to learn the lesson. Hey, with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, you know what? You were saying, you were preaching, you were talking about temptation, and I've got to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I'm truly saved. Pastor, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm a million miles away from, from God. I feel like I'm oceans away. Well, I have good news for you. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're a million miles away from God, but he brought you to church. He's got, he's got his arms around you and he's saying he wants you to come home. But he'll never force his will on you, so you have to make that decision. You go, what's that decision? You have to be ready You surrender your life to Jesus today. And if you want to surrender your life, and again, I don't know, there might be somebody watching, it's okay. But if you want to surrender your life to God today, 100%, no holds barred for him, then I'm going to give you an opportunity. But you don't have to worry about people looking around. You don't have to worry about who's saying, it's between you and God. You go, Ben, what do I have to do? All you have to do is lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I'm going to surrender my life completely to God. All him, I'm all in. I want to be saved. I want to know him. I want to walk with him all the days of my life. If that's you, would you lift up your hand right now so I can so I can pray for you? Just want to just want to give you an opportunity. If you're watching online or you're listening to this via podcast or radio, God sees your heart. All you have to do is surrender to him and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died for me and you were buried and you resurrected on the third day. I believe you're interceding for me right now and I believe you're coming back. So I open up my heart. I invite you inside. I ask your forgiveness of all the things I've done. I ask you to take away the guilt and the shame and give me new purpose and give me new life. I pray, Lord, that you would just be my friend and you would be my Lord and be my God and and, and, and walk with me all the days of my life, I pray that prayer with all of my heart in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer by the authority of Scripture, the Lord Jesus has forgiven you, and he's given you new life. And so I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you. And so, Lord, one final thing as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Help us to worship you, Lord. Even in the mouths of conviction, conviction is beautiful, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. But as we sing one last song to you, I pray that we can worship you in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.